It's summertime here in the swamp and pretty much everywhere else in the U.S. I hope you're all enjoying yourselves if you're out of school, and I hope anyone that's on vacation is staying safe. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true stories sent into the swamp during the month of June. Now these stories don't normally fit my typical video, so they're definitely going to be a little strange and different for this channel. But if you enjoy these type of stories, definitely let me know in the comments down below. As always, if you have a story with a stalker or something like that, please be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I grew up in a big house that was on the corner of a quiet street, right in front of a five-star retirement home. On the other side of the street, in between all the big, beautiful houses, was a small, old house with wood covering all the windows. If you didn't live on my street, you'd probably think nobody lived in that sketchy little house. Throughout the day, random cars would pull into the back of the house where they could be seen, and I'd see men walk in and out of the house. Sometimes, men would sit on the front porch and drink and smoke. Around 9.30pm each evening, the nurse or caregiver shifts would change in the retirement home. In front of my house was a bus stop where all the employees would wait for the bus or their rides. It was approximately 10pm on a warm night in June. I was in my basement and I had the windows cracked open. I was at home with my mom and three sisters when I heard screaming from outside. My sisters heard it as well. We looked outside the windows, but it was too dark to really see anything clearly. We saw a woman running around three cars in our driveway, and we assumed someone was breaking into our cars. So we turned on the outside light and spotted a woman screaming, Help me! and running around the cars. She was being chased by two men. We got scared and ran inside to our mom. My sisters and I were young teens at the time and too scared to go outside by ourselves. The screaming continued for a few minutes until I saw the man grab the woman and try to push her into the trunk of their SUV. She was trying her hardest to fight back and resist. At that exact moment, my dad was arriving home and noticed a black jeep and its trunk open, blocking the street. He flashed his lights and honked at them, not knowing what was going on at all. The kidnappers thought someone had spotted them, and they immediately threw the woman on the ground, got in a car, and drove off. My dad parked his car and found the woman on the ground. She was crying, and she kept thanking my dad. As my dad had connected the dots and realized that he had stopped her from getting thrown into a van, he looked around and saw a few men standing outside the sketchy house, and realized they were watching the whole kidnapping happen without interfering at all. He invited the woman into our house and called the police. She was a 55-year-old nurse, and she told us she waits outside of our home for her son to pick her up every single day. She was thankful for my dad. When the police took our statements and gathered the kidnappers' fingerprints from our cars, since they were running around our cars and touching them as they ran, my dad told the police he suspected the men from the sketchy house across the street. He thinks they may have been involved. After the cops left that night, a man walked over to our house and told my dad, you made a mistake by saying something to the police. Since that day, anytime I went outside to play, they'd be staring at me, and if I walked home from school, they'd begin to walk after me. They were incredibly creepy and scary. Eventually, the cops busted their house for a bunch of illegal activity. They drilled the door shut, and I never saw anyone ever go in that house again. 
I did see the 55-year-old nurse sometimes as she got off work. She now works earlier in the day. She always waves at us as she walks by. I was born and raised in Fort Collins, Colorado, home of the Colorado State University Rams. It was mid-January 2016. I was just 23 years old and had recently started dabbling in the dating scene again. I met a guy on eHarmony, and we decided to meet for breakfast at a little restaurant. The date went really well, and after about an hour and a half my date, whom I'll call Josh, asked if I wanted to go for a walk with him and his dog, Bandit. I told him I'd love to, so we left the restaurant and I followed him in my car to an open space area called Legacy Park in North Fort Collins that ran along the Poudre River. I texted my mom to be safe and told her where we were going. Snow covered the footpath that we walked along. Josh and I talked about our favorite places to hike in Colorado. We both mentioned wanting to do a 14er that summer. Bandit was off leash, running and playing in the snow. Joss mentioned he wasn't totally comfortable having Bandit off-leash because some of the frozen-over sections along the river could crack and him fall in. All of a sudden, we heard a little splash in the river. We thought maybe it was a bird or a falling snow or something. But before we could do anything, Bandit immediately ran towards the river and jumped in, chasing the sound. Joss and I immediately ran to the bank and noticed that the area Bandit was in was not frozen over. But the edges around the bank were... Bandit was trying to pull himself out of the water, but couldn't. The ice along the edge was too slippery. In that moment, both of us panicked. Joss started screaming Bandit's name, and we both ran down the stream trying to get ahead of him. Only a hundred or so feet away was a big frozen over area. We didn't get there in time, and Bandit went under the ice. With our adrenaline rushing, both of us jumped back on top of the ice screaming and searching the water below for his dog. All of a sudden, we heard a loud crack, and the sound of cracking ice echoed throughout the woods. I looked at Josh in fear, and we both fell through the ice into the frozen water. The water was only waist deep, but the temperature took my breath away. Both Josh and I struggled to get back on the ice, but we were only able to pull ourselves up. Within about 60 seconds, Bandit resurfaced on the other side of the ice block. Josh grabbed him by his collar and pulled him onto the ice. We both swam and dragged him back to the embankment. Josh was screaming for help and by that time a few joggers had stopped to help us and had actually called 911. Bandit wasn't breathing, so I immediately started CPR on him while I screamed for someone to get help. Josh was inconsolable. As I was doing CPR, I could hear the sloshing of water in Bandit's lungs, and I knew it was bad. Josh screamed, We have to get him to a vet. Run back to your car, Hannah. Get, get to your car. With that, I jumped and started running back to the parking lot about a half mile away. I was soaking wet, freezing, and didn't even realize right away that I had lost my shoes in the river. I got to my car and floored it through the woods to get to Josh and Bandit. When I found them, Josh had Bandit in his arms and was running towards me. He jumped in my car and I raced to an emergency vet about a mile away. When we got to the clinic, we threw open the door screaming for help. Several veterinary staff ran out of the back and took Bandit from Josh's arms. We both fell to the floor, sobbing. One of the vet techs stayed with us for quite a while while the staff vigorously worked on Bandit. At this point, I had no idea what to do. I had just met this guy. I didn't know if he wanted me to hug him or hold him or leave him alone. After about 15 minutes, the vet came out crying and told us they did everything they could, but Bandit did not make it. The screaming and crying that came after was something from a horror movie. 
Josh called his family, who were from Arizona. As he spoke to them, the staff asked me if I needed anything. I told them that this was actually a first date and I had no idea what to do. One of the staff noticed an open bleeding wound on my foot and bandaged it up for me. I didn't know it at the time, but I also had two broken toes and had ripped off my big toenail. I know this isn't necessarily a scary story, but it was the worst date and probably the worst day I have ever had. My heart is still broken over five years later as I write this story. I don't even really know how to begin this story, but I will try my absolute best. So I dated this guy for almost two years. I will refer to him as Jake. Me and Jake were the couple. The kind of couple our friends saw and thought, if they can't make it, then there's no hope for the rest of us. Our relationship seemed so perfect from an outside perspective, and for a long time, it really was. We did not argue for months throughout the first year of our relationship and everything seemed completely normal. That's until he completely changed. Jake started controlling little aspects of my life and eventually took over completely. He started telling me who I could and could not hang out with, but he did it so subtly. He'd tell me that none of my friends were real and they'd take him from me if they had the chance. He started telling me I was lucky to have him and I'd never find another man like him. I had to look nice when I came to see him or he wouldn't even look at me. It got to the point that if I didn't want to have sex with him, then he'd get angry and tell me he worked hard that week and he deserved to get some sex with his girlfriend. If I didn't do it, I didn't respect him or our relationship, but I let him make me believe these things. And worst of all, I defended him. I was not allowed to see my friends. He accused me of sleeping with my friends and even my brothers. He accused my family of being horrible to him, even though he never came around. Then, the mind games kicked in full force. Jake started talking about moving in and having babies. If I didn't have a baby with him, he was going to have one one way or another with another person. Keep in mind, we were only 17 at the time. He started talking about getting married and moving in. Jake had lost his job and started staying with a friend a half an hour away so his cheating accusations were constant. He stopped coming to see me, so I had to argue with my mom for hours to be able to go stay with him, all the while dealing with his accusations and mental abuse. Jake would tell me horrible things. He'd threaten my family and my little brother. He'd threaten me. I didn't have a voice, though. I didn't know what to say or how to stand up for myself because I thought I needed him. He made me feel as though I had to have him in my life. Jake would then say other things to me, call me stupid, cuss me out, tell me he could have anybody but settled for me. When I'd bring up how these things hurt me, he'd claim I was crazy and that he's never said any of those things. October of 2020, he accused me of cheating one last time. He said the only way to fix us was for him to be able to sleep with another girl. And he did it, a week before my 18th birthday. Words cannot describe how heartbroken I was. He told me on my lunch break at work, and I sat in my car, trying to convince myself I was the problem, and I had to change for him, because he said that would fix us. Worst of all, the girl was my friend. We had sleepovers together and selfies of each other posted online. I was completely shattered. He went into detail one night about the sex with her, and I lost it. The next day, he told me he never said those things, and that he just lied about the details to hurt me. 
he called me crazy some more and then claimed I deserved it. This is where the real story comes in. I met a coworker. We'll call him John. John was the brother of a friend from school and we hit it off immediately in October. But I was in a relationship and I was so desperate to fix things with Jake, I just really didn't pay any attention to him in that light. John and all my other coworkers started trying to convince me to break up with Jake, along with my family and friends. One of my closest friends and coworkers, we'll call her Sally, introduced me to the reality of gaslighting. She explained everything that Jake was doing to me and how I needed to get out of that relationship as quickly as possible. I was scared and told everybody I was going to do it, but it was just hard to leave Jake. I loved him. The last night I spent with Jake, he scared me so horribly I debated on walking home. The walk would have taken hours. See, Jake was very paranoid about cops. He did not live in a great part of town, so I didn't really see the big deal. But he woke me up to have sex anyway. He started choking me, and it was hard, and even left marks for a few days. I didn't think much of it at the time because I'm personally into choking a little bit, but it should have raised more red flags than it did at the time. But then he told me, if I find out you're a cop, I will shoot you in the face. I will not hesitate. He let go of my neck and stared at me until I cried. Then he told me to stop crying because I was the problem and my family was the problem and I shouldn't be the one that was upset. I was beyond terrified and I felt so hopeless. I didn't fall back asleep. I was too scared. He tried to get me to smoke an illegal substance to fall asleep but I refused. The next day, when I waited for my father to pick me up, he kissed me and whispered something in my ear between neck kisses. He said, if you leave me, I'll have to kill you. At first, I thought nothing of it, but now it sends shivers down my spine. I broke things off a week later. I didn't know what to do. He begged me to stay, and I just thanked God he lived so far and couldn't drive. I finally felt safe again. I never expected to see him again, until I did. He started lingering around a friend of my mom's house. He started sending me pics of my house, started showing up at work, asking coworkers about me. I was never working when he came in until yesterday. He walked in and we locked eyes. I booked it for the back, but he was right behind me. Not wanting to make a scene, I turned around to ask him what he wanted from me, tears in my eyes. He smiled and said, I have to kill you now. You left me, you promised me you wouldn't, we belong together. He started raising his voice, but I dismissed him and scurried to the back before things could get too serious. He calls me from different numbers now. Three times yesterday and six times today. I blocked every number that calls terrified. I've blocked him from social media, but that doesn't stop him. My new boyfriend, who is John by the way, has been so patient and understanding, but my ex sent me a picture of John's address written on a notepad and told me, don't mess with me. I know where he lives. Let me creep one last time. Please, it's been so long. I honestly don't know what to do. Any help would be appreciated because I'm absolutely terrified. Maybe this story wasn't super interesting, but I'm so scared. He makes me feel weak, and I know that, given the chance, he would probably, actually kill me. If at any point throughout this story you said to yourself, Wow, this sounds like my significant other. Please get out as soon as you can. You do not need anybody who's going to treat you like that. You are so much stronger than you think. Nobody deserves to be treated like crap by another Jake. Never. And that goes for every single person listening to this podcast, male or female. Hey Swamp Folk, sorry to interrupt these stories, but I just have to take a quick moment to thank today's sponsor, Blue Chew. It's summer, 
camping season. Let's talk about pitching tents. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, confidence can take you far in life. It can also help you in the bedroom, especially when it comes to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within just a few days. The best part? It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in the line at a pharmacy. Blue Chew tablets are made in the United States and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. With Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has actually arrived. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code SWAMPED at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code SWAMPED to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. I believe this occurred a few years ago when my folks were driving themselves, me and my siblings on a road trip from Texas to New York to visit family. At one point, which I believe was our first stop on the trip, we ended up at a McDonald's for either lunch or dinner. We all ordered what we wanted, and my mom, siblings, and I went to pick a table while my dad waited at the counter for our food. A table or two across from us, I noticed an old man sitting by himself. I remember the surrounding tables were empty, so he was just the first thing I noticed, and evidently would keep my attention until we left. I don't remember if he had any food, but he was just minding his own business. A few times he looked around at our table, kind of just in our general direction it seemed. Eventually my dad came back with the food and sat down with the rest of us. We all began to unpack our food and poke straws into our drinks. We were making casual conversation as we did so. It was at this point we all turned our attention a few tables away to the old man after hearing what sounded like loud muttering. He was saying something unintelligible, staring at us, his eyes as wide as could be. It no longer appeared he was looking in our general direction, but right at us, speaking what sounded like angry gibberish between gritted teeth. We all stopped talking at this point and tried to not stare back, awkwardly taking hesitant bites of our food. After a minute, one of us attempted to strike up conversation again, but it was definitely hard to do with this old guy making a scene that was obviously directed at us. It seemed after a couple of minutes of this weird behavior, the old guy had quieted down a bit. He was still talking, but it was quiet into himself. One of my siblings asked if they could have a ketchup for their fries. My mom didn't really want them going and getting it by themselves because she was super protective of her children, especially the younger of us. So my mom stood and walked over to where the ketchup was. The old man watched my mom go get the ketchup. The entire time, his eyes were wide and staring blankly. He was quiet until she started to come back. The closer she got to our table, the louder his muttering got again. He sounded livid now and very intimidating. At that moment, I worried something was about to happen. Now, my dad had definitely had enough, 
He got up and walked over to the old man's table and said, Do we have a problem? As calm but as stern as he could. I think he said some other things to him as well, but much quieter as to not attract other people. The old man was still wide-eyed, and now his arms and legs were twitching. After a solid moment, the man shook his head no. After my dad gave him a stern look in the eye, as to make sure the guy knew he wasn't playing games, he returned to our table. We were told to hurry up and finish eating because my dad wanted to leave. The atmosphere felt so tense. No one conversed after this point. Another two or three minutes passed and the old man started talking again, just as loud and as angry as before. My dad locked eyes with him with a very serious look on his face which effectively quieted the guy down once more. You could tell that it was almost like he couldn't help it and throughout the next few minutes, he was struggling to keep his voice to himself and his eyes on his own table. For some reason, it seemed that this guy, as worked up as he was, he just seemed to be upset that we were sitting in the restaurant. We finished eating and began cleaning up our trash. As we did so, people were entering and exiting the establishment. A couple of people with children got their food and went to the kids' play area. The old guy started to leave. He started to walk away from the table towards the exit, and I know we all breathed a sigh of relief. He was still muttering to himself and twitching angrily, but at least he was leaving us alone now. We thought that was it, but it wasn't. My dad was clearly in a bad mood now and rushing us all so we could get back on the road. No one knew what that guy's problem was or if he had been working up to doing something violent. I know that some people have issues, especially older folks, but what else were we to think? He had just seemed so pissed off for no apparent reason, and it was aimed at us for some reason. It was pretty alarming. My mom was hurrying us along to finish cleaning up our places at our table, but we were all too busy watching the strange old guy leave. That was when the old guy decided to enter the children's play area. My dad had been watching him as he walked away, perhaps for this exact reason. When my father saw him enter the kids' play area, he sprang out of his chair and sprinted over to the door of the room. I couldn't see exactly what happened, but I think the old guy noticed my dad had followed him and decided to take the exit that was inside the play area. We were done getting our stuff thrown away now. I think before we left, my dad made a point to mention this guy to the employees at the counter. Maybe he wouldn't have before, but why had he gone into that room with all the kids? It just seemed weird. We took our leave and didn't come across this guy again. No sign of him outside anywhere. No one seems to remember this incident now, or at least it's just never been brought up since. But it was definitely a scary experience. This is my first time ever sharing a story on this show. It may not sound scary, but I thought it was at least. I am 23 years old now, but I still remember this experience like it happened to me yesterday. I am a male, and I think I was probably in the first grade, about 6 or 7 years old on Halloween night. My parents took my little sister and I to trick or treat, and I remember feeling super excited. Halloween was always one of my favorite holidays. I remember we went to this rich person's neighborhood because they always gave out the best candy. I remember we went to the rich people's neighborhood because they always gave out the most candy. I remember I got a bit too excited and went on ahead of my own, and as a kid, I was amazed at everyone's costume. I would often go up to random people, look up at them, and compliment them on their costume. I know it wasn't a good idea to do so, especially being on my own and being so young, 
but I was a kid, and so I didn't really know much better. One of the people had a scary mask on, and I was blown away at how cool it looked, and I had to tell them. So I did. I went up to him and told him how much I liked his mask, and he stared at me for a few seconds. He pulled out his arm and grabbed onto my hand with a tight grip. I tried to pull away, but he wasn't letting go. Instead, he continued to keep walking while holding on to me. I was so terrified that this stranger wasn't let it go and was taking me somewhere with him. I started screaming, but the crowds and crowds of people didn't even realize what was happening. I was looking all over the place trying to find my parents, and I managed to see my mom in the crowd not too far behind me. She also saw me and was calling out while trying to get through the crowd. The stranger must have noticed because he immediately let go and took off very quickly. I caught up with my mother, and for some reason, I decided not to tell her what happened. It was only until a few years ago I brought it up, and she said that I never told her about it and was surprised about it. It is scary knowing that people out there kidnap kids in front of everybody and does God knows what to them. I was lucky enough to have found my mom when I did. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories sent in during the month of June. Like I said in the intro, these are stories I normally wouldn't read, so I hope you enjoyed them. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's very helpful to me. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please be sure to give us a 5-star rating over there as that truly helps us grow. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new video, as I upload them nearly every single day and all things natural and supernatural. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's free and always will be. If you guys would like to support The Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, maybe check out the merch store. I have everything from t-shirts, face masks, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, whether it be with a stalker or something else entirely, please be sure to submit that at swampdweller.net. I'm always looking for new stories to share. You can also find an email in the description down below to send in stories to as well. Thank you guys, as always, for supporting the swamp the way you do. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight. I'm always interested to know. Thank you guys. I'll see you soon. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all the other social medias, and I'll see you soon with another creepy video.